What's going on, guys? Your host, George McKay. I'm in the building again with another great wrestler on tap for today. Have him via phone. Very excited to get him on the show. Please welcome to Straight Talk Wrestling, Vaughn Vertigo. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've really had a lot of fun chatting with indie wrestlers as of late. I've done about 50 interviews or so, but I always try to make sure I scout the talent or look at the talent before I get them on the show, only because I want to make sure that, um, you know, they're going to be easily approachable, they're going to be fun to talk with, and they're going to have a great character. And you have all three of those things. You were very easy to get a hold of, you were very accommodating, and I appreciate that. You're way too kind, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you know what? I look at indie talent as the future of this business, and it's always great to get them on the show now, so that when they do hit it big, I can say, hey, Vaughn, remember me? Now that you're a you know, big superstar, you want to hit it up again with me? And you'll be like, yeah. yeah. Then, I then I can blow you off, right? Yeah, then you can blow me off at that point. <laughs> That's right. So um, I always ask everybody standard question. Um, the defining moment, I call it. And what it is, is that moment where you realize you fell in love with this business, this sport we're going to be talking about today, wrestling. Do you remember your defining moment? So for me, I got into wrestling a little bit later than I'd say most people do. Most people I say get into wrestling probably around, what, what would you say, like the age of six, seven, eight, somewhere around there? When, when did you get into wrestling? I got into wrestling when I was, yeah, six years old. I watched... Uh, well, I watched a tape at my uncle's house of Superfly Jimmy Snuka, the uh, famous steel cage match where he did the Superfly from the top, and I was hooked at that moment. I was, yeah, I was 89. I was about six years old. See, I got into wrestling in 2007. Wow. Yeah, quite a bit later. Um, so I'll, I'll bring it back just a second here, because I, I went to school with uh, one of my friends growing up was Wayne Fryer, and his aunt was Trish Stratus. So... <laughs> um, my entire time growing up, I knew this. I knew that she was a wrestler. I knew she was this thing, this entity, but I didn't really know what wrestling was. Um, so he actually introduced me to wrestling, and it was uh, the Royal Rumble 2007, so right at the beginning of the year. And obviously the Royal Rumble, in my opinion, is still my favorite pay-per-view of the year every time. I could, it's unpredictable, I, and you never know what to expect, right? I could not agree with you more. That's my favorite pay-per-view, that one, and uh, I do enjoy Hell in the Cell now these days. Oh, yeah, obviously Hell in the Cell, because you know what you're getting with that, for sure. Um... So yeah, Royal Rumble 2007, he came down to Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, and they had that, like, 10-minute, like, match pretty much at the end of the Rumble, if you remember that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that, that um, between two of the, like, biggest characters in wrestling, the biggest larger superstars in wrestling, um, that's really what hooked me. That's a great memory. That's a great moment, and that's a really cool uh, connection to have. I mean, Trish Stratus, she's a legend. She's actually coming out of retirement this year to come wrestle back in Toronto in SummerSlam in a couple weeks. I can't get over that. I'm super excited about that. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, uh, Trish Stratus was actually at my grade 8 graduation, believe it or not. <laughs> she must have literally got all the attention. Pretty much. I mean, I remember I got a photo of her, but I remember... Uh... I had a date with a girl for the dance, so like I was like, "Oh, do I do I get this photo with Trish right now? Or do, I, do I talk to her? Or do like I blow up my date? Uh, uh, what do I do? What do I do?" And I went with the girl anyways. But I have a photo with Trish. <laughs> <laughs> so you got both. You got both. That's good. That's I good. I got both. Yeah, I never worked out anyways. But <laughs> <laughs> it's always a, it's always a fun memory attached to that. Oh no, for sure. That's a great memory to have. So 2007, you got into wrestling. What was the thing that, that I mean, I, I get it, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, as you mentioned, two larger-than-life characters, but at that point, I mean, you know, as you said, a little bit later than everybody else, 
but you must have just fell in love with it instantly at that point. And, and I guess that, I guess the network wasn't around at that time, but you must have started watching everything you get your hands on at that point, right? Uh, you, you couldn't be more right. I mean, this was kind of the beginning of YouTube sort of thing. A lot of people were uploading those really awful, like, 360p videos on YouTube. So <laughs> I'd go in there and I'd watch, like, Jeff Hardy highlights. I'd watch those WWE Desire videos. You know, I'd see highlights from, you know, WrestleMania like 13. I, I pretty much just watched whatever people were uploading at the time. And that's that's a great knowledge base to have. So when did you go decide that, you know what, I can make this work for myself and I could... I could make a serious go at this. Well, pretty much instantly, I started a backyard wrestling federation uh, with some of my friends. Uh, I mean, actually, technically, it was a basement wrestling federation, which turned into a trampoline wrestling federation. Um, so we did that for uh, probably about three years. And then uh, there was a kid I went to high school with who I didn't really know super well. He was like a friend of a friend sort of thing. Uh, but he discovered Square Circle Wrestling and Square Circle Training in Toronto. Um, he said, hey, like, uh, I, I have a car. Do you want to come down and try this out? And I'm like, uh, absolutely. Of course I want to try to be a wrestler. And I remember uh, it was Ralph Fuego who ran sports circle training. Um, and I contacted him. I wasn't entirely sure if I wanted to be a wrestler at the time. And I, I messaged him saying, uh, like, do you, do you teach anything else other than wrestling? Like, is, can you learn how to commentate? Uh, can you learn how to be a referee? Like, I was just curious about learning about the industry, essentially. Um, so I sent him this email. And he's like, yeah, we, we, of course, we teach everything. Uh, whatever you need to learn, essentially. Didn't learn anything other than wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so you you wanted to just get involved in the business, but you weren't sure if you wanted to be in the ring, in the action at that time. Uh, not necessarily, because I, I was 14 years old, so I wasn't really sure. Um, but, you know, I, once once I got in the ring, I, I had been replicating moves that I saw on my trampoline for three years previously. It was, it was instant. I just, I couldn't not be a wrestler at that point. <laughs> so tell me about the first bump, because I always love these stories. You get in that ring, like the first actual wrestling ring that you're in, not a trampoline, not messing around with your friends in a backyard or a basement. You get in that ring, you take that first bump. What was that feeling like? Uh, it definitely sucked. Uh, I'm pretty sure I brought some, a couple tears to my eyes. <laughs> I remember I had to do two more right after, and it was just, ugh, it was the worst. Um, I always joke that... Uh, kind of hit puberty as soon as I took my first bump sort of thing because I mean I, I was I was 14 um I was 95 pounds I was probably like just under five foot when I first started training and like I always joke that you know that first bump is what kind of started my puberty <laughs> <laughs> so you were in in essence you were a very uh skinny white version of Rey Mysterio uh essentially and then uh there was a time approximately probably about a year into training that Edge came by and uh, I don't know if you know the history of how Edge got into wrestling training, but he essentially uh, wrote an essay to, I believe it was a Toronto Star. Um, it was an essay contest, so if you won the essay contest, you would be, uh, essentially, you'd be given free training. So this was under Ron Hutchinson. So Edge decided to pay it back to the industry to do this with square circle training. Um, I was already in training at the time, but tried to apply to this. Of course, I didn't win. I just wanted the free wrestling training, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, when he when he actually came to Sports Circle to decide who would win this, uh, I remember him specifically talking about Rey Mysterio, and he, he kept saying, you know, that there's only one Rey Mysterio, but he was looking me in the eyes as he said it. <laughs> oh, no. So it felt like I was the only one in the room, and he kept talking to me. Uh, it's, it's just one of those memories I have. No, it's, that's a great, it's a great memory to have. I mean, very early on in your career that I could tell, I mean, having that friend who had Trish Stratus as his, uh, his aunt 
and then you you know you get to have this little powwow conversation with Edge in a more um, uh, how do you put it classroom kind of setting because there was other students there. I mean the knowledge base that you were picking up very early, I could see the translation into how you've worked your character and your in ring ability now. So I mean it, it makes a lot of sense and it's uh, it's fantastic. So when did you, after all the training, when did you get your first green light to actually step into a ring and have a match? So I actually, uh, 2012, so about two years into training, I had, um, I was given my, well, I guess I wasn't given my green light. I was given the opportunity to wrestle as a zombie for Wrestle Crisis, which was a promotion that ran downtown in like a theater. Um, and my actual green light didn't come until July 2013. So I actually got, it took a long time for me to get my green light. But up until that point, it's funny how I joked about wanting to be, um, like possibly like a commentator or uh, a referee or whatnot. Because in the end, I actually ended up doing a lot of those jobs. Um, I, I did start. I was a referee for a long time for Squirt Circle for like those two years before I actually got my green light. Um, so my green light came July twentieth, uh, twenty thirteen, I believe. And uh, I, I know you interviewed Gabriel Fuerza as well, uh, so he was in the same match as, as uh, me at, at the time. That's that's incredible. So, what was it? Was it a tag match? Was that was that originally when Fight or Flight kind of started, or was no? It... We, were, we were actually against each other. See, I was I was told that I was going to wrestle that day. Fuerza uh, was not told he was going to wrestle that day, so he did, he didn't have any gear ready. I had gear ready, um, so it was myself and uh, a guy called Grimbo mm-hmm. versus Fuerza and Preston Miles. But uh, if you watch the footage back of uh, Fuerza's gear. <laughs> He's essentially just wearing like these like red baggy pants. It's hilarious. <laughs> so it was like uh, red baggy pants. I'm trying to think. Was it like MC Hammer type pants? Uh, we we always equated to like uh, like we always called it, like Mexico Fandango. Remember those like Fandango pants you used to have? Oh yeah. Oh yes. yeah. It was like, it was, like a, it was like red Fandango <laughs> pants essentially. <laughs> oh, it was so basically Fandango must have seen that footage and stole the idea from Fuerza. Uh, you know what? Yeah, that might be around the same. Yeah, you're right. That was around the same time. <laughs> So then we got to tell Fuerza that Fandango owes him some money. Oh, you're right. You should, you should hit him up on Twitter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweet that right after this interview. I'm gonna be like, "Hey, Fandango, you Better. stole my friend's wrestling moniker, you jackass, <laughs> and you, you, you suck anyways." So it's all good. <laughs> hey, that's not cool. I'm pretty sure he's injured right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I wish, I wish. You know what? Since we're kind of on the subject, I mean, there's wrestlers you always see potential in. And you wish that they would get an opportunity. But when it comes to like the WWE, there's so much oversaturation and talent there that even with all these new shows that they're creating, I don't think there's a place for everybody. Oh, no, for sure. There there, there never will be. And that's unfortunate, too, because there are some kids, some fans, young and old, that enjoy Fandango and yet don't get enough time to see him. Like, it's so bad. It's so oversaturated. They had to bring Tyler Breeze back down to NXT. Embrace is a phenomenal talent. It's unfortunate that he's uh, had to go back there, but I think in the long run, this will probably be entirely beneficial for him. I think so too, because I mean, I, I always liked his character. I thought it was a neat idea, but it always reminded me. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. If you disagree, that's fine. It always reminded me of a new age model Rick Martel. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think uh, a lot of people did. And I, I think that's the problem. I think because it reminded us of something from what we loved. But it what I mean it was new, it was in the modern age, but it was just like, nah, dude, you're you're Rick Martel. Just like even sometimes when I see Velveteen Dream and he's got like his opponent <laughs> spray painted on his uh his wrestling yes. gear. And I'm like, dude, you're you're listen, I, you're amazing. You are phenomenal. You don't need to walk in Rick Rude's shoes. You can be your own. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and 
not everybody needs to be a nostalgia act, essentially. And, and that's the thing, right? I mean, we can we can always take homage and pay respect to the legends that built that built this and paved the way for everybody in this business. Like, I'm a big JR fan. As far as commentating goals, which is one of my eventual goals, uh, JR is end-all, be-all for me. But when I have done commentary, I sure as hell don't say, oh, my God. And I don't say, that was a slobber knocker. You know what I mean? I pay respect where it's due. And if people ask yes. me, who's your favorite commentator? JR, hands down. But I'm not going to try to take what he built and make it my own. I'm going to make myself my own. Absolutely. I think that's the right mindset to have. Well, and I think, and the reason why I bring this up is because I think that's the mindset that you have. So, um, and, and that's what I love about, that's what I love about the character. Like, I saw you wrestle, uh, I think it's now two weeks ago at uh, Kitchener, at, at Crossbody Pro. Crossbody, yep. I'm very affiliated with, and I, that's when I, 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 you were on my, you were on my list. And once I saw you wrestle, I was like, okay, now you're on my short list because now I've seen you in person. I know what you can do. And I mean, video can show you so much. But in person, it shows you another level. And man, you you impressed me. The only unfortunate thing about that is I wish I would have seen fight or flight in action. I've heard about it. Fuerza talked about it in depth, how it was one of the, you know, funnest times of his, you know, career thus far. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta move on and you gotta evolve. And I think both of you have moved on and both of you have evolved to new heights. And one of the things that impresses me the most about you, sir, is your promo skills. Uh, but thank you very much, man. I mean, um, promos are definitely one of the hardest things in wrestling, but, um, I come from a videography background, so I, I guess what it really comes down to is I'll scroll through Twitter and I'll see everybody cutting these independent promos the same way. It's just, you know, it's a phone set up or it's a selfie and, uh, I just wanted to be more than that. Um, I don't know if you remember the, like, Joey Janela, uh, like cinematography, cinematographer, uh, the word for it. Um, I guess they're released for his like GCW Spring Break. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or anything. I do. I, I, I've actually been following Janela for a long time. I think he's. I, yeah. I would put him, and this is not not kissing your ass. It's again truth. I would put you, him, and RJ City in the same category of the best guys in indie wrestling right now, cutting the best promos, and that's the truth. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I took a look at the uh, Joey Jealous promos, uh, and they're done by a cinematographer by the name of uh, Giancarlo, who actually follows me on Twitter. We, we talked a bit. He's the best. <laughs> uh, anywho, I just got to put myself over there. Um, Hashtag so follow Straight Talk Wrestling after this interview. Hashtag. That's right. <laughs> so I, I, I have access to all this uh, equipment uh, after I started a new job, and I realized, like, I don't want to be the guy who's, you know, setting up my phone and making this not great promo. Like, the, you know what gets attention? Well done and well put together promos. I don't think I'm, you know, anything special talking, but I think what I do add is the uh, the value and the quality behind the content. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true. Your stuff looks near pro, like near or almost, it actually, it does look, it does look professionally made, but it's all you. And that's intriguing because a lot of people think when they see the promos, you know, a lot of people think, like I even showed my wife, she's a diehard wrestling fan. I showed her the most recent promo that you cut. And uh, she's like, wow, he's really good. I'm like, right? I'm like, he does it all himself. She's like, no, that's that's got to be a crew. I'm like, nope, he does it all himself. And that's what people need to realize that it, just because you're in the indies and just because you have certain things and you're like, you could, there could be a million wrestlers who have access to equipment like you do, but can they put it together like you do? I don't think so. No, I, I think that's fair. I mean, 
which is something I'm going to take pride in. It's definitely that. Um, it's it's definitely an image I want to portray that I put together these, uh, I guess, works of art, essentially. Uh, and hopefully that it uh, sells tickets and it gains intrigue. Well, it does. I mean, every promo that you've cut, I've tried to scramble and get to a show. It's just always been a schedule conflict. So thankfully, I'm hooked up with Ben very well. Ben and I know each other very well. And he invites me out to all the shows. I actually do commentary for him now, which is a great opportunity that he's given me. But he was like, we're not doing commentary at the next show, but, you know, come on down. I was like, absolutely. I I booked the day off. I'm coming through. And when he told me he was on the card, I was like, okay, so where's I got to check him out? Because I got to see if I can get him. I want to take another look at Crystal Moon. And I had her on the show as well. She was fantastic to talk to. And then there was you and Mark Wheeler. Now, Mark, you, know, you and Mark Wheeler both, again, I see in footage online, but it's different when you're in person. It always is. It's never yes. going to be, you know, what you see because what you see is edited, put together, great angles, all that stuff. But you have to sure. see them in person. And both you and Mark Wheeler were nothing short of impressive. The thing that impressed me most about the um, the Fatal 4 Ray, because I'm, as much as I love promos, I'm all about walking the walk and talking the talk. You have to back up what you speak. You could be a great talker, but you can get in the ring and you can suck. And that's the truth. But with the great thing about you is that your promo skills, I had already seen them. I was a huge fan of them for a while, and I saw what you could do in the ring. And you can tell a mean story. So just to get back on track for a second, once you got the green light, did the character that you are now, Von Vertigo, did that was that always the same character, or did you have to kind of go through some changes and metamorphoses to get to where you are today in terms of your character? I mean, I, I, I definitely some metamorphoses. Um, I mean, because I really, I started as essentially just a vanilla teenager. I mean, I'm, I'm not much more than vanilla now, but um, through all the fight or flight tag team stuff, I think that's kind of where Forza and I both grew to have a little bit of a personality. Uh, it was a lot easier to have a personality with somebody. Um, after that, it was really my first heel run at Barry Wrestling that kind of gave me a personality. It turned from, you know, just kind of being arrogant to more having a chip on my shoulder, which is kind of what I try to get with most, get across with most of my promos. And I could, I could see that. So in terms of what you do so far, what you've done so far in your career, you've been a face for a bit, and then you had your heel run. And I guess depending on the promotion, you may be a face or a heel. What do yeah, you definitely. prefer? What do you prefer more? Because obviously where I've seen you at Crossbody, you are a face, whereas Fuerza is a heel. But I haven't had an opportunity to check you out at any other promotions. So what do you prefer more? Like, Fuerza, when I ask him, he's like, I'm all about being a heel. If I can go out there and just get people to hate me, then I've done my job. Whereas, I, he says he'll play face if he needs to, but he prefers the heel. Where do you stand on that? It really depends where I am. Um, I say definitely the most fun would be a heel. Like, if, if I'm in Ontario, I'd much prefer being a heel. I think that suits me a lot more. However, if I'm in somewhere like Europe... Uh, you want to be a face. And the reason that is because you want to come back. Um, and, you know, you, you want people to talk about your match. So you want them to go on Twitter. And if you're a jerk, <laughs> and uh, maybe you take it too far, maybe it's, it's out of character, um, they won't want you back, essentially. So I, I try to, uh, even if I am a heel overseas, I try to be a little more flashy so people will remember and uh, will bring me back. Right. And that's obviously being by being flashy, you mean being telling better stories in the ring. So in terms of your wrestling uh, uh, training and ability, is there one thing that you worked on tirelessly in the ring to get perfect? Or is there one thing you haven't 100% got yet that you're still working on? I mean, I'm definitely not 100% anything. Um, I wouldn't say my overall is 100. 
But, uh, I mean, timing is definitely one of the most important things in wrestling. And it's not something you can just pick up and get, essentially. It's just repetitions. Um, like, when you first start wrestling training, if I go back and watch some of my footage from, like, the first year of training, like, my footwork's all off, the timing's all awful. Um, it, it's, it just takes time. It's, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So patience is key. Patience is absolutely key. And not getting frustrated because you can't get frustrated at your coaches or yourself because that's just going to set you back. No, it's it's uh, you can't get frustrated with them at all. You have to understand that most of what you do in wrestling is um, your responsibility, essentially. So in terms of your career thus far, is there a match, one particular match, could be with Fight or Flight, could be a singles match on your own. Is there one match that sticks out in your mind as thus far your best body of work? I mean, to be honest, it might be my match tomorrow with Tyson Dukes. Um, but in, in the past, I would say uh, there was a match that I had my first match over in the UK. It is against uh, a fellow by the name of Kip Saban. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kip, Kip Saban is now in AEW. This was about, uh, about two years ago now. It was just one of those things where I never, never met the guy. didn't really know much about him. Obviously, he didn't know much about me. Uh, we just had this instant chemistry. And uh, the, I, I've never seen the footage, so I'll never know if it was actually good, which might be better in hindsight. Um, but there was just this moment in the match where I was leaning up against the ropes, and like the kids were rushing the ring, and they were uh, they all had their, their peace signs out, their Vs. They were all tapping Vs. Like they were like motivating me to get back into the ring. It was just something that always sticked out. And I, I remember the match being very good, and everyone seemed to be very happy with it. And, of course, it being my first match overseas, it was something that I'll always keep with me. So you've been overseas in the U.K. Where else have you wrestled overseas? Uh, other than the U.K., Italy would be the other place. And how was that? Interesting. Uh, so I've been to Italy twice now. I've had three matches there. Um, it's uh, a little bit of a culture shock, but to be fair, the companies will take care of everything you need there. Like, they'll pick you up from the airport. They'll take you for food. So it's not anything that... Like, there's nothing really to stress about. Like, they take care of everything for you, whereas if I'm wrestling in the UK, I pretty much got to figure out where I'm going and, <laughs> like, how, like who's driving up. And I got I to sort of lost it for myself, but uh, Italy was a lot more accommodating that way. Although it's very confusing to talk to them at the merch table because you're not entirely sure what they're talking about, but they have, like, broken English. It's just a confusing time. Oh, okay. So they have, like, the broken English where you get a few words. Like, they'll walk up to you and be like, hey, you, good. And you'll be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, essentially. It'll be like teacher, and you'll be talking money, and you're not entirely sure. <laughs> it's a really interesting experience. So I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes on the show or if you, you know, follow the show, but I'm a big comic book fan, and I love to mesh comic books and wrestling together. And one of my favorite series of comic books was, I don't know if you follow Marvel, but there was a series called What If. Okay. And the series was pretty much, um, what if the Punisher's family had never been killed? What if Peter Parker didn't get bit by the spider? What if, uh, what if Johnny Blaze didn't sign the deal with the devil to become Ghost Rider? There are all these situations that if these things hadn't have happened, who would be Ghost Rider? Who would be the Hulk? So forth and so on. So, my what-if question that I always love to ask wrestlers 
is, let's say you go downstairs. I'll paint a picture for you now. You go downstairs in the morning. You have your coffee. You have maybe your bagel or your eggs, bacon, whatever you choose to eat in the morning. Maybe you're vegan, so you have your vegan pancakes. I don't know. You go downstairs. Your, your avocado toast. Your avocado toast. Oh, well, you sound a little California now. <laughs> so you go downstairs. You get your breakfast together, and you sit at your kitchen table. And in front of you are five contracts. Okay. One is WWE. One is AEW. One is Ring of Honor. One is New Japan Pro, and one is Impact Wrestling. And the only reason I mention those five, because there are a lot of other great promotions out there, those five I do follow religiously. So you have all five of these promotions in front of you. Now, they're all for the same money. They're all for the same contractual obligation. Let's go two years. Who do you sign with, and who's the first person you run a program with in that company? Oh, oh man. I asked the tough questions, my friend. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I, I, I think I would have to. Oh, man, they're, they're all. <laughs> um, I, I guess right now, I think being with AEW would be really cool, but we also don't know where that's going to go, essentially. Um, but in terms of talent, I think right now, probably AEW. I think that's where I'd want to be. In terms of a program, um, I mean, I already have a little bit of history with Kip, so I feel like I've worked on Russell Kip Sabian in a program there. But then again, there's there's guys like you know Jimmy Havoc who you could have have a tell an incredible story with, or you know Kenny Omega, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, oh man, I don't know, man. I, I might see New Japan though. <laughs> okay, okay. So we've narrowed it down. I think I'm in... too places because you know what? I think I think I could have a pretty damn good program with Will Ospreay. Oh. I could see you. I could see you running a major program with Will. Actually, you know who I could see you tangling with? That would be super cool. I mean, we don't know where they're going to go now because ROH and NWA have parted ways, so we don't know where that's going from now. I think NWA is going to start their own promotion up again and go full force. But um, yeah, I I could honestly see you. I'm a big. This guy is one of my top five right now. Probably one of my top five all time. But I could see you running with Marty Scroll. Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, obviously you're saying that because the glasses. <laughs> the glasses, but also the promo skills on both parts. Like, I look at a guy like Marty Scroll, and I look at his production quality, what he puts into his promos, and I think, yeah, epic. Like, one of my favorite promos he ever cut was when it's, um, why be the why die a good guy when you could die and be remembered as a villain? And that just, to this day, those words just, oh, they run chills up my spine. Because I'm such a fan of his character and everything he does. But I think your promos and his promos together would just be fires. Fire. And it would have to culminate. But it would have to culminate in a steel cage. A final battle, right? Yes, it has to. It has to end in that steel cage. Uh, I, I think a steel cage would be the way to go. A steel cage match is something I've never had. It's something I'd love to have. Oh, you've never had a steel cage match? Never had a steel cage match. Oh. There's not, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of steel cage matches happening, in Ontario. That's right. You know what? You know what? That's this is the first time I've ever really thought about it. But now in hindsight, yeah, yeah you're right. There really there, is not a lot of. They're out there, but you know what? There might only be probably, I'd say maybe two to three steel cage matches a year. Somebody out there has a case, though. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's anybody out there listening, and anybody knows Marty Scroll, let's book this match. Let's get it done. Book it. Book it. It has, be, it has to be final battle, though. It has to be Final Battle, and of course, that's because... What, that's, what, that's December, right? Yes, of course. That's yeah. my birthday, so let's do it then. Let's, okay, let's do that, but just remember that since this was my brainchild, you're going to bring me with you, and I'm going to get front row seat. Uh, you know what? 
no, no, no. You're not gonna. You're not gonna do front row. You're gonna commentate. I'm gonna. Co- I'm, all right, I'm in. Let's go. Everybody, you, get start tweeting Marty Scroll. Bad, <laughs> Let's make this happen. So and Rhea, what's his name? Uh, Rickabani. Yeah. Yeah. You cold Rickabani. There you go. That's right. Let's get on these people right now. Let's make it happen. So what? So I'm actually intrigued by this right now. So let's go back to the steel cage stuff for a second. So in terms of indie wrestling, what type of matches, like stipulation matches, have you had thus far? Um, I mean, in terms of stipulation, uh, I've had, I believe, two ladder matches. I've never had a tables match. I've never been put through a table. I don't know how to avoid that all this time. Um, I've definitely had plenty of street fights and no holes barred. Tornado tag team matches, uh, definitely various versions of multi-man tag matches, singles matches. Other than that, I mean, Battle Royals, Royal, Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other, other than that, I don't think there's anything too out of the ordinary. So what's your favorite, like... Definitely not a, definitely not a death match. <laughs> definitely not. Oh, I was just going to ask, in terms of, like, your stipulation matches... What what's one what's one you love to like if somebody puts you on the card they call you up and they say hey listen Vaughn we want to book you for this event and we want to put you in this stipulation match what is your favorite stipulation match that you love to wrestle in if you get the opportunity? Well, if they tell me steel cage match and Marty School final battle, I have to take that. But if they don't give me that, then I, I like a good up good old uh, no holds barred to be honest. No holds barred matches are so fun and so intriguing because they get the crowd involved, but also you never know what's going to happen. And it's not like really that can be fully prearranged. A lot of the time it's got, it's got to be the most organic match there is because you don't really have time to pre-plan everything you're going to do because again, wrestling is so organic that it's going to be hard to figure out where you're going to be at the right moments to get those right bumps. For sure. And, and another thing, uh, if, like, if you watch a ladder match or a TLC match, you pretty much know what to expect from it. Somebody's going to fall off, somebody's going to fall through the ladder, there's going to be a chase sequence at the end. No holds barred match, it's an open canvas. You know what, you're right. That that's, that's the only canvas, I think, in wrestling where it really is open. It really is up to the two guys or girls or whoever's in the ring at the time to really just be organic and make sure it happens in the best way it can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no holds barred is not, yeah, you're not um, restricted to what weapons you have to use, essentially. Yeah, they're just, they're just, whatever's out there is out there. You could have a chair, you could have somebody's beer cup, you could have a little girl's doll if she's sitting in the front row and use that, you know what I mean? I'm not that mean. I, I mean, I'm not that mean. I'm not that mean. I'm not that mean. I have two daughters of my own, and I know both of my daughters would probably get up right up in the wrestler's face and be like, bro, you owe me a doll. Like, it's not even funny. You owe me a doll. You, you don't mess with those girls. A hundred percent. And my both of my, luckily enough, my daughters are, uh, they, they've come to a couple shows with me and they're, my, the whole family's very big on wrestling. And that's why, you know, the family supports everything I do with the podcast and all the great talent that I get to meet. So it's very, it's very cool to have that great support system around you. In terms of support, that gets me to my next question. Huh? Segway. You see how I did that? Good segue. <laughs> what is your support system like? Are your family members on board with your career? Mom, dad, I don't know, girlfriend, brother, sister. Does everybody support your your moves that you're making in this business? Uh, absolutely, actually. Um, I come from a family of people who love to travel. So they're, they've, uh, like, especially my parents, they're 100% on board with wrestling because, first off, they know it makes me happy. 
but they know there's an aspect of travel. They, they've always taught me that travel is the best education. Uh, so anytime I get to, even if it's just, you know, somewhere in Ontario, go somewhere new, I try to like take a little bit of time before the show to like look around and see what there is in the town. Well, that's, that's incredible. So is there any place right now that you, um, like anything upcoming that you're looking at, like this is going to drop just after SummerSlam. So is there anything you're looking forward to upcoming in that later part of August that uh, maybe you haven't gone to, it'll be your first time going to, to wrestle? Ooh, um, yeah, I'm really excited for the C4 Fighting Back uh, uh, show this year. Uh, they run one every year for the Kansas Society. Um, I haven't actually been able to do one for the past two years. I did visit them earlier in my career. Um, but this one coming up looks like it's going to be something incredible. I think I think tickets are already almost sold out. Uh, Cody Rhodes is going to be there. Joey Janela is going to be there. Butcher the Blade. A whole wealth of talent, really. This C4 was another promotion that um, took Fores and I under their wing very early on. I guess they saw something else before other people started seeing something else. That's amazing when you can have, like, because you always hear, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out these days. Like, you got that Vice show, The Dark Side of the Ring, and you always kind of hear about all the negativity, but you never hear about the camaraderie and the positivity in this business that we have. So it's so refreshing when you hear, you know, a wrestler come on the show and he says, you know, these guys gave me an opportunity. These guys gave me an opportunity. And it's worked out wonderful because wrestling is one of those places, yes, you can have the training, but you really do have to learn by doing. You can't just be training your whole career. You've got to get in the ring and you've got to do it. Camaraderie that's there in yes. the back, the the, the kind of, I guess you will, like the, the camaraderie with the boys and the girls, everyone in the trenches, like all your wrestling, you know, uh, relationships that you've made and, and how people are given the opportunities, but you have to learn by doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, especially the camaraderie is a very important uh, part of what we do. And it's honestly the most fun part. I, I'm lucky I'm in a, support system of, of other wrestlers who you know we all look up for each other we travel together um but we all try to better each other like we'll all watch each other's matches and critique it to, just to try to help each other out and do you find it do you find yourself more like because when i was talking to fuerza one of the interesting things he mentioned is that he's really having a lot of fun these days agenting he loves to really get in the matches and try to help people try to help yeah. produce some of those matches do you find yourself kind of also in a mix where somebody's asking you for help and guidance yeah i, I didn't I didn't think I'd be at that point. It, it's a little, I, actually, Forza and I talked about this recently, but um, it, it is very weird that we're starting to be, at that point in a career where people are starting to ask us questions and look up to us. Um, but yeah, I obviously enjoy doing agenting as well. It, it's, it's a completely different beast when it's someone else's idea. Because I, I, sometimes I find it's easier to come up, uh, come up with ideas for someone else than yourself. Because you're obviously going to be a lot more critical of the idea. Right. And, but in terms of like when, so what's like the, what's the crazy, so when you've agented a match, what's one of the craziest ideas that you threw out there? Were there any wrestlers who were like, nah, I, I don't know if I can do that. Or were the wrestlers like, damn right, I'm going to try that. Let's do it. Was there any kind that of situation? That I threw out there, uh, I mean, that's probably, it, it probably more likely be them. I mean, I, I might have said something jokingly like, hey, do a Spanish fly to the floor, but they're not going to, they're not that dumb. Like, I, I don't mean it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> So I gotta ask because I'm always intrigued about like character decision makings. Where did the name Von Vertigo come from? If you don't mind sharing, if that's not too you know personal. How dare you ask that? I can't answer that question. All right, I'm legally, no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so Vert Vertigo was actually my backyard name. Okay. Uh, I I guess I always like guys like Jericho and and people with fun, funky weird names. Um. So I guess. 
I looked at that, and I, I guess, I don't know how I came across Vertigo, but I was like, oh, that'd be cool. And then, you know, it's a, it's a motion sickness. So I was like, oh, I mean, that would kind of describe the style I'm going for. So let's go with that. Um, and Vaughn is actually my middle name. So that's, it, it means small but big hearted, which I think is uh, another thing that adds to who I am as a person. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. It's like, you know, I'm small, but I carry a big stick. So don't, you know, don't fuck with me. Essentially. <laughs> so in terms of, cause like I, I can't get enough again, Von Vertical, thank you so much for being on the show, but I, I have to ask this because I'm all, like I said, big fan of comic books. What if, is there anyone in the indie business right now that you haven't had the ability to wrestle that given the opportunity, you would love to get in the ring and just mix it up? Uh, one would, a lot of the wrestlers I want to get in the ring with right now are um, in the UK uh, because that's mainly where my goals are going forward and next into the future. Um, but right now, I, it would be guys like Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely Will Ospreay. I mean, he's not in the Indies. He's a bit out of reach. <laughs> um, uh, Joey Tell would be another one that I'd love to get in the ring with. I, I believe, actually, I've been in the ring with him in a man tag, but I don't think we really got the chance to actually have much uh, much interaction, unfortunately. Is there, is there anybody you think that I'd be able to have a really good match with on the Indies? Well, I haven't, uh, I, I again, like, I, I don't know who you wrestled or who you haven't. Like, I've watched enough, sure. uh, as many matches as I can. Have you mixed it up yet with uh, Josh Alexander? I have. Only once, actually. And that was that was a match I had at Barry Wrestling. Um, that would have been about two years ago as well, actually, now. Right. Okay. When I was a heel. <laughs> oh, that's when you were heel. Yeah. yeah. So I got to ask, because I always ask everybody this, Josh, he has the meanest chop in the world. And when I interviewed him, <laughs> when I interviewed him, I tried to get him to give me a chop, but he's like, I can't do it to you, man. You're just, you're not, you won't be able to handle it. And, and he was right, because I, I listened to him when he wrestled, and I'm like, oh, I don't think yeah. I could. So on a scale of one to 10, how hard is that chop? Uh, you know what? I'm going to only say probably about a seven. I felt, I've definitely felt worse than Josh, but in terms of the loudest chop I've ever taken, that would be Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some guys, like I, I watched um, that same match, the same uh, show I saw you wrestle in. I also saw Aiden Prince take on Michael Elgin and I got a picture with Aiden Prince after the show and his chest was literally just, it looked like ground beef. I saw that. It was, it was mutilated. <laughs> it looked like he had been, well, he had been through a war and that was hands down probably. And I'm a big fan of Aiden, but that was, and I told him after the match, I'm like, dude, that by far, that is probably my favorite match you've done so far in your career. And what I've seen of you, that one there ranks the highest for me as like a personal favorite. So oh, for sure, especially, especially with a guy like Elgin. I mean, he's going to bring out the best of you, but he's also, he has some big roots here, you know? Um, so getting anytime he's back around is always a good, opportunity he's a guy i've never actually wrestled as well but i'd love to get the ring with oh you know what now that i know that i, I think that would i think you two would burn it up because i think i think mike i think michael because i think a lot of people mistake his size as he's going to yes. be slow but he no, is not no. slow <laughs> he I, I i that guy moves like a freight train at one point i took a zip of water and i thought he was to the left of the ring and i looked over he's already at the right i'm like jesus how did that happen like so quick. And that's another thing too. Like you, your speed impresses me as well. You really do fly around the ring in terms of your style though. What's one of the things you just love to do? I, I mean, I can see that you love to high fly when given the opportunity, but it also looks like you're very good with the chain wrestling. 
So in terms of one of the things you love to do while you're in the ring telling the story, what's one of the things that you love to do the most if you get the opportunity to? I love being um, a little bit technical sometimes, but I, I definitely love high flying as well. When you have the right opponent, high flying is the best. Um, it always gets genuine reactions out of the crowd if it goes off well. Uh, it's something that I've always obviously been focusing on for the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I fly. I'd say high flying is one of the better ones. All right, yeah, and again, you're you're working on it, but it it every time, though far from what I've seen, from what I've seen, I'm impressed with it. And you know, I wish, I wish, um, I don't know if it all kind of ended or if it's all tied up, but I think you and Fuerza could give me one more, one more match. I think I I, I saw the kind of rundown between Fight or Fright. I saw the fallout. I saw all that, but I think there's still a little bit of the story to be told. I. I I still think that there's one more match that the two of you should have, and I think it should be for Fuerza's newly captured internet championship. Well, I mean, that would be depending if uh, he retains his championship against Justin Sane. Then you're right. It all depends on if he retains his title against Justin Sane. And I love Justin Sane. Justin Sane and I are very good friends. But um, if he does retain against Justin Sane, will you be throwing your hat in the ring as his possible one of his future opponents? Absolutely, especially in the triple threat match we had at Crossbody. I wasn't pinned. I wasn't the one who lost. And uh, after he turned on me, I mean, there's definitely a different dynamic between us. We we, we teamed up a little bit in the t- triple threat match. But uh, you know what? I, I got to come for his inter- internet championship at this point. Because you know what? He's not even really as much on the internet as me. I'm, I'm on the internet way more than he is. And your, well, your promo skills are light years ahead, and I will say that to him if he ever asks me. Who's better at promos? I will say, well, I mean, Vaughn has you, 100%. Nah, you don't need to say that. You can lie to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I don't want to hurt his feelings so bad because I might want to get yes. him back on the show again. He's a very soft boy as much as the devil he is. No, and, and, and you know what, though? That's that's what I, I love about the um, how well people can morph into their characters in the ring. But when you meet them outside the ring, they're completely different. I love the um, I love the juxtaposition, if you will, on how well a character could be crafted and how well somebody could pull it off. But then when you meet them when they're not in character, it's so refreshing. It really, really is. Oh, for sure. I, I totally agree. So, you talked to, like, uh, have you had a chance to talk to Santino Morello before? Uh, Santino? Yes. So, oh yeah, I interviewed. I interviewed him. Uh, God, it must have been about two, three months ago. So, so him, him without his accent is always very, very interesting to me. It's just one of those things I never get over. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know what's funny? He uh, he cut a a little snippet for me where he was like, "Hey, this is uh, uh, Anthony Corelli, aka San Pinamarela, and you're listening to Straight Talk." I was like, "Dude, I, you just you do that so easily." He's like, he, he just go, he just goes in and out of it. Like, yeah. Thinking, you know? I almost see I him one, one time when he's doing his when I teach him one of his judo classes at Battle Arts, and when a kid like kind of gives him like the gears, I can see him walking over and giving him like the stern Anthony Corelli voice. And then when the kid, the kid feels kind of timid, then I'll go and be like, but don't worry, Santino will guide you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I, I just see that. In, I see that definitely happening. Well, Vaughn, this has been an absolutely amazing interview. Thank you so much for your time. But I do have one more question if you're okay. Let's do it. All right. My last question, as always, again, back to the comic books. Any wrestler, any time period in history, your dream match. Um, give me like, uh, you know what? Give, give me Chris Jericho in like 
2002, 2003. Nice. Y2J Jericho when he just came to WWE. I love it. Yes. Right, yes. right. He had the, he, it was a slow start, but once he molded it, we uh, would eventually become that. That was, in my, in my opinion, one of my favorite parts of Jericho. One of my favorite evolutions of Jericho. Yeah, that that one, and I also like the uh, the little you know uh, storyline he ran with uh, Kurt Angle or Kurt or Kurt Angel, if you will. <laughs> well, that you know what that's that's a match that you know what any any WWE 2K19 fans rolling around out there, if you haven't created a Von Vertigo character, create it, do the matchup, and let me know your end results. I want to know who wins, the Jericho <laughs> or Vertigo, come out on top. Well, Vaughn, thank you so much for your time. Don't worry about the episode. I'll take care of it all. Um, I just want to let you know you are officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Anytime you want to come back on the show, you are more than welcomed. I would love to do it up again with you in a couple couple months, couple weeks. I don't care. You want to call me tomorrow and do it all over again? Let's do it. I might call you again in five minutes. I would like that. Okay, so we're going to do part two in five minutes. Part two coming up in five minutes. No. <laughs> All right. Vaughn, I will hit you up after I do my outro. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Take care. You too. Well, guys, that was Vaughn Vertigo. That was another great interview in the books. I want to tell you what next week's episode is, but you know I'm not going to, so don't ask. you got to tune in, tune in, tune in. Follow us on all the socials as you always do. Don't forget to check out ProWrestlingTees.com for our shirts. Buy, support, love the show as much as I do because I bleed for this as much as I bleed for you guys. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am your host. Take care. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Thank you.